0: Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence, and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I am your host, Claire Sieber, and can you believe that we are at episode 48, only two more episodes to go until we hit the big 50, and have I got something fabulous in store for you. So tell me what is happening in your world, what is happening in your career, in the leadership space, what are you seeing, what are you hearing? What challenges are you facing? I always love to hear from you, whether it is telling me about the challenges or it's telling me about the wins. I love to know. And believe it or not, today's episode is actually from someone who sent me a DM a little while ago saying, oh, Claire, this has happened to me. I'm having this challenge at the moment. Can you do a podcast topic on this? I need some tips and some guidance and some advice on what to do. So I promise you, I do hear you. I do listen and I do my very, very best to turn your questions either into podcast episodes or social posts or captions or reels or anything I can to make sure that I'm showing you that I'm here for you and I'm hearing you as well. So, today's topic that I want to talk about is what to do when you inherit a team that you didn't hire. So, it might be that you are inside an organization and you've been given a promotion into a new role. Very exciting. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And with that means you've inherited a team of people Uh, you're now their team leader who they report into you and they aren't people who you made the decision to hire yourself. They are people who are already in those roles and if anything you are the newbie, the one that stepped into the newest role in the team and you're the team leader which means you're kind of the person in charge. Sometimes the team are very supportive of that, sometimes the team are very excited about that and it all makes it quite an easy transition. But Sometimes you might inherit a team who are not necessarily supportive of your promotion. Perhaps there might even be people in your team that wanted that promotion or that position as well. And so they've seen you get it. You've gone all of a sudden from being peer to team leader. And there are definitely some challenges that can come with that. So that's one part of what we're talking about today when you might inherit a team that you didn't hire. But also, I work with plenty of clients and plenty of teams where we often have conversations around you might be completely new to the organization in general, and you've stepped into a new role which you've been hired for, you've inherited the team that goes with that role, and you may or may not be aware of the change that preceded you before you joined. So that you might be walking into a team that's been through huge restructures, huge change, some tough times. And so perhaps they're a little bit skeptical of the newcomer. Perhaps they're not quite sure about who you are. What are you going to bring to the table? Maybe they're a little bit resistant. Maybe they aren't totally supportive of that change. And that can be a little bit daunting to walk into. So that is why I want to talk about how to best deal. I'm going to give you kind of six pieces of advice today on how to best deal when you inherit a team that you didn't hire. Now, before I jump into those six tips, though, I do want to do a little shout out to you that if you're in a position where you or your team or your organization needs a little bit of an energizer, a little bit of a pick me up, we know this time of year, we do tend to start seeing people run out of steam then perhaps you need an engaging speaker, perhaps you need a workshop, perhaps you need to have a conversation all together about what's working, what's not, and what do we need to keep doing in order to enable you, your team, your department, your organization to keep kicking goals. So if that is you and that is somewhere where you see yourself or your team at the moment, then reach out to me and let's have a conversation about how we can bring an energizing and engaging workshop or masterclass session into your team to help get people back on track and moving towards kicking those organizational goals that we know that you can. Now, back to the topic at hand, how to deal when you inherit a team that you didn't hire. Now, I have personally been in this position before Um, In the toughest of ways, actually, I was new into an organisation. In fact, I was new to a state, a town, a city and everything in between. And I think I was six weeks into a role inside an organisation when I was moved into a more senior role and was given the opportunity to actually lead that team. And, and then about two weeks after that, they also announced that we were divesting from the huge ASX-listed organisation that we were a part of and going through an entire change procedure and actually needing to rebuild the entire department, the entire team and every function from the ground up. So talk about being thrown into the deep end, I have absolutely been there before and so for me, part of navigating the challenges of inheriting a team that you didn't hire, I was also navigating the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, the feeling totally out of my depth and all of those thoughts that go when you're given essentially a stretch opportunity already. And then on top of that, I had to deal with um one or two individuals that were peers for a couple of weeks with me. And then all of a sudden, I was the manager. I was the team leader. And that was a really tough space to be in. And I look back on that experience and, well, I see the growth and and the development opportunities that it provided for me. And I truly wouldn't change a thing. But I look back at that now and I really, I wish I probably cut myself a little bit more slack at the time because it was tough. And some of the experiences that I was having with probably one, one team member in particular who was not overly supportive of my move into that role and, and kind of largely wide anted me, to be honest, and made it really quite difficult for me to grow a team, to build relationships, et cetera, it was probably also one of the best things that ever happened to me. It enabled me to be stronger, to be more resilient, to really get a good understanding of people and why people resist change. And it also enabled me to step back and look at organisational landscapes. It enabled me to build that muscle of self-awareness and an ability to read a room and an ability to look at alliances and tensions and 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 relationships between people office politics call it whatever you want they're in F, they're inside every organization and so having this experience of being promoted into a into a management role and inheriting a couple of team members who I didn't hire and who were not necessarily supportive of the change was a tough experience But one that has now allowed me to go into teams and to go into organisations and ensure that when this happens there, people are putting their best foot forward and able to move quickly to build a team that is supportive, that is collaborative and that's got each other's backs. So what I want to share with you today is a a little bit of the learnings that I've had as an individual and also the learnings that I've had through working inside other organizations and with other teams on how you can best step into a new role as a new leader and In the quickest and most efficient, but also the most genuine way possible, build that team rapport and create an environment where your team understand each other and they want to work together. So the first tip that I want to give you sounds really obvious, but it amazes me the number of new leaders that step into roles, whether they're completely new to the organization or they've been promoted into that organisation who don't go in and just listen and observe to start with. They come in with gusto, with sometimes with a baseball bat, and they just want to smash everything apart and rebuild it from scratch. And I understand the feeling of being new to role and wanting to come in and prove yourself really quickly. You want to show you want to show the people that made the decision to promote you or to offer you that role that they made the right decision. I get that. But one of the worst things that we can do as team leaders when we go inside a new organization and we inherit a team, is to go in and start smashing things up, to go in and start hanging shit on the processes or the structures or the projects that they might be working on. That is a surefire way to get your team's nose out of joint very quickly. Or worse yet, if you already had a couple of team members who were a little bit nervous, cautious, perhaps even resentful about the changes that had been made, if you go in straight away and you start telling everybody what's what without listening, To why things are the way they are or observing the way that things are done before putting forward your ideas and your recommendations about how things should be, you're going to find it very difficult to build trust. You're going to find it very difficult to build that rapport that you really need with that team in order to get them on site and be able to really drive meaningful change together. So the first tip I want to give you, if you are promoted into a new role of a team or you join a new organization and you inherit direct reports that you haven't hired, is to go in with caution. Go in and observe. Go in and listen to start with. Get the lay of the land. Understand the alliances. Understand the micro tensions. Understand what is what before you go in and start telling people what you think they need to do. That is the first tip. The second tip on how to deal when you inherit a team that perhaps you didn't hire is to connect and build relationships first. So the foundation, the bedrock of your ability to really drive a high-performing team and to really be able to deliver on impressive projects is that you've actually gone in and you've connected With each individual first, you've connected with them as human beings, you've connected with them and you've taken a genuine interest in who they are and you've built effective and trusting relationships to start with. You've prioritised that. That is so important in order to basically build the foundation for you for everything that's going to follow. If you walk straight into a new team, or or if you've gone, particularly if you've gone from peer to team leader overnight and you just switch off the relationship piece and you go straight into task focus and you walk into that team and you say, all right, here are all the things we need to do. Sally, you need to do this. Joe, you need to do this. Let's get it done. You are going to get everybody's backs up quickly. So make sure that you are prioritising the connection piece with your team and you're prioritising the relationships and building authentic and genuine relationships quickly. That will enable you to then dive deeper into the deliverables, into what the real challenges are, into where the real areas of focus need to be. So that is tip number two, connect and build relationships. Tip number three is to be vulnerable yourself, right? You set the tone for the rest of the team on how much they will or will not open up and trust you. And when it comes to vulnerability, vulnerability is really only vulnerability when there's an emotional risk attached to it, meaning you've got to share something that is significant enough that there is a risk attached to it for you. That is the definition of being vulnerable, right? We take an emotional risk and we don't know what's going to come back in return. But if you expect your team to do that, if you want your team to really put themselves out there and tell you how they really feel, to tell you what's really going on inside the team or or the department, to tell you what the real challenges are, then you've got to go first. You've got to open that door And you've got to make it easy for them to do it in return. And I think back to when I was moved in, when I was promoted into a manager role and I inherited the team and I literally overnight went from peer to manager. I didn't, I wasn't vulnerable enough from the get go. And the reason why was because I was so shit scared myself. I couldn't, I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I honestly was waking up every day waiting for the senior leadership team and the board to come to their senses about that decision, that I spent so much of my time feeling like I needed to prove that I deserved that position, that I didn't share enough of myself initially with the team around who I was and how I was really feeling. So tip number three is about being vulnerable yourself first. You set the tone. Do not expect others to do something that you yourself are not prepared to do first. So that is tip number three when you inherit a team. Be vulnerable and set the tone yourself. Make it safe for others to do so. Tip number four is now around, right? So you've observed and you've listened. You've got the lay of the land. You've watched what is what. You've connected and you've built relationships and you've been vulnerable yourself. Now I want you to start thinking about How can you really get clear and get a solid understanding of what the team's strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their motivators are, and how they like to work? Now, if you've built effective relationships, if you've been vulnerable yourself, if you've opened that door and enabled others to do the same, and you've actually sat back and you've watched how things work, then you should already have a pretty good picture at this point on what the team's strengths are, their weaknesses, their triggers, their motivators. But what I want you to do now is start to play back some of those observations to them and then ask them for their opinion on that as well. So you might say, hey, Sally, I've been watching you for a couple of weeks now and I have witnessed that your strengths, to to me, your strengths really seem to be X, Y, and Z. What's your take on that? Do you feel like you get to leverage those strengths? Do you feel like we tap into those enough What do you think? How could we leverage them more, right? Similarly to that, you might say, hey, Joe, I've noticed you really seem to get passionate whenever we talk about anything to do with our employee value proposition. Is that a project that you're motivated by? Is that something that you're really interested in? If it is, how do we get you more involved in that space, right? You doing that to the team is going to show them how you've observed, how you've listened how you've watched them, and more importantly, how you then want to set things up to play to their strengths. Being able to have those conversations also further enables you to then perhaps have some of the other conversations around weaknesses as well. So you might then ask them, now that we've talked about how to best play to your strengths, what do you see as being your weaknesses, your gaps, your opportunities? What are the things that you really don't enjoy in your role? Let's talk about those. And if you've created a safe enough space by really connecting, by building trust, by being vulnerable yourself, it is likely that those conversations will be so much easier for you. So that's tip number four, right? Understand the team's strengths, weaknesses, motivators, triggers, and engage in conversations with them regularly about those things. Because what that will then do, that then enables you to step in to tip number five which is around co-creating the team culture together. Now, don't kid yourself. If this team was in existence already, right, which if if you've inherited those direct reports, it was in some way, shape or form, there's already a culture at play. There's already something happening there. So don't kid yourself to think that you are going to walk in and build something from the ground up. You're working with something that could have already been there for years, But what you have the opportunity to do now is understand it and then build on it and co create a new culture, right? Taking all of the best bits of the current culture at play that the team sees as being all the good things that work and and adding your own finesse into that, adding your own spark. Adding your own kind of behaviors and what you see as being important. But you can't do that and you can't co create that culture and build off the one that's already at play if you don't have strong enough relationships and trust with that team in order to ask them those big questions around what does the team feel like is working? What's not working? What would they like to see happen with the way that we work together? What kind of behaviors do they really think that? we value and how should we treat each other and what does it look like when that's not happening and what do we need to do together to make sure that on average, we are together holding each other to account for the culture that we want to co-design and keep building on together. So that is why tip number five around co-creating the team culture together sits where it sits because you can't do that. You can't add any value to the culture at play until you've sat back and observed and you've listened yourself, you've shared a little bit of yourself and built the rapport, built the trust, built the credibility with the team until you've got an understanding of who they are, how they operate and what they bring to the table, and then be able to be in a position where you can actually start asking those tough questions around what's working, what's not, and then redesign it and build on it together. So that is why tip five Sits where it sits. And then once you've done that, that enables you to then move to tip six, which is around then you can introduce your own cadence and your own rhythm around how you want the team to communicate, collaborate, how you want them to meet, how you want to run certain meetings, et cetera. Whereas what I often witness is that new team leaders come in and they do that as step number one. They come in straight away and they go, all right, this is the way I like to operate. This is how often I like to do my one-on-ones. This is my cadence of meeting. We're going to do monthly this and fortnightly this and weekly this. Here's my traffic light spreadsheet. Here you go. Start that. Right, They go straight to the process they forget the people. I'm encouraging you, if you really want to have a positive impact when you inherit a team that you didn't hire, if you really want to get people on the bus together, right, not half on the bus and half off, not actively trying to push your bus off the road, but on it and driving it all together, don't do the process step first. Do the process step last, right? Do it as tip number six, right? Introduce your cadence, your rhythm, how you want to do one on ones. Maybe you've got special spreadsheets or platforms or tools that you like to use because you've seen them work in the past. Awesome. I love that. Introduce those, but do it after you have got to know the people. You've built the trust. You've built the relationships. You've defined the culture together, what behaviours they like, what they don't like, what works, what doesn't. You've shared enough about who you are. That will put you in a far better position for any changes that you make to the way people show up for meetings, the rhythms, the cadences, the strategies, etc. It will make it land far more easily than if you come in and you start pushing that down people's throats to start with. So that is a lot of information that I've hit you with. So I'm going to recap quickly on these other six tips in this order that I am suggesting you do if you have inherited a team that you didn't hire. So either you've gone from peer to team leader overnight, you've been promoted, yay for you, or you've walked into a completely new organisation where there's a team already at play. You want to kick some goals quickly, here's the order to do it. Number one. Come in and observe and listen, really observe and listen. Shut up, close your mouth, ask questions and listen to the answers. That is tip number one. Number two, connect and build relationships, real ones, genuine ones, trusting ones. The way you do that is through step number three, which is being vulnerable yourself, setting the tone and opening the door to enable others to do the same. That then allows you to do tip number four, which is get a deeper understanding. Of your team's strengths, their weaknesses, their motivators, their triggers, and actually engage in a deeper level of conversation where you can talk to the observations you've made on each of those and encourage them to give you more information around what they're passionate about. That then allows you to do tip number five, which is to co-create and build on the team culture together. Have those conversations around what works, what doesn't, what behaviours do we like, what behaviours do we not like, how do we want to show up for each other, how do we want to show up for ourselves and create an environment where that becomes more than just things that sit on your coffee cup or your wall, it becomes lived experience that we all do each day and then once you've established all of that, then you can partake in tip number six, which is then you can introduce your cadence, your rhythm, your processes on how you like to work in order to do things efficiently and effectively. So I hope you found that helpful. I hope you can see in there some really practical things that you can take and start implementing. Remember, people before process. People before process. Everything will follow when you can build relationships, rapport, and trust with your team. Sometimes, though, that involves you needing to share a lot of yourself to start with and really get to the root cause of any resistance or fears or concerns that people have. But they're only going to share that with you if they feel like they can. So build trust and build relationships. People before process. If you've got any questions about today's episode or you would like me to come in and have this conversation and workshop these steps with you and your team, then feel free to reach out. I have got a couple of vacancies for workshops this month. So if it's perfect timing for you, let's have a chat and see how I can help you kick goals faster and drive a culture and an environment that gets the best out of you and the best out of your teams. That is it for me today, my friends. I hope you've loved what you've heard. If you have, be sure to share it with a friend and make sure that you jump on and give me a five-star review. Have a beautiful rest of your day and I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am always so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2. And if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you would leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this, you can do it, you are doing it, and remember to back yourself and what you have to offer. there thanks for hanging on and thank you again so much for listening to the podcast i truly love having you with me but i want to make sure that you know if you're ready to work together exactly how we can do it the first way is through my game changing transform your career six week accelerator program this six week online program is for busy professional women who are ready to regain control of their career and leadership once and for all Go from feeling like just another employee to an in-demand asset in your company. Stop feeling lost, stuck and unmotivated and instead feel confident, worthy of earning more and armed with the tools to go out and get what you want. The Transform Your Career Accelerator cuts the crap and gets right to the key levers that you need to be pulling to ensure you are seen, heard and noticed at work. Add to this an epic group of like-minded women all coming together to share insights, learnings and to build a new network along the way. If this sounds like something you need, then join the waitlist now. The link is in the show notes. The second way you can work with me is through my private one-on-one coaching program where I only take a very limited number of clients each year by application. My six-month private programs are for you if you know you need tailored coaching and guidance now. You want a container of space and time just for you to work through your exclusive and unique goals. You don't want to wait for the wait list in my other programs because you know you want access to my brain and my experience all to yourself. If this sounds like you, then book a free call in my diary today and let's chat. Lastly, if you want me in your organization to come and share my tried and tested knowledge with your team on how we can all collectively elevate our own leadership and career success, then jump on my website and download the services info pack or grab it from the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.